Mental asylums preparing release papers today for people who predicted 10 wins for the Texans before the season. With six wins already, seven games to play, it's now a distinct possibility. What's your confidence level that they win at least 10 or more? John, I'll let you go first on that one. Dave, first of all, um, I was at an event before the season, and it might have been before training camp, for the Boy Scouts of America. It was a breakfast, and I interviewed the Cal and Hannah McNair. Mm-hmm. And a guy came up to me beforehand when we were mingling, and he said, let me tell you something. I think the Texans are going to win 10 games. And I said, I wouldn't say that too loud. People are going to think you're certifiable. He said, no, I think because of this, 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 and this. And I said, I'll tell you what. If they win 10 games, you get in touch with me, and I will tweet that you told me that in July, and you are a genius. So if they do, I hope that guy gets back in touch with me because he's the only person that has ever said anything about before this season the Texans could win 10 games. And, of course, I made fun of him behind his back as he was walking away. I think I went like that. <laughs> he did the wackadoo sign right yeah, there? Yeah. yeah. So what's your confidence level now, though, to answer Dave's question? Boy, um, Dave, why don't you ask it next week? Because if they lose this one, they're going to have five. And if they, if they, I'm sorry, six. Five losses. They'll have yeah, five losses. They'll be six and five, and it's going to be hard to get up to 10. I think they can reach 10, but I don't see them getting more. But if they beat the Jaguars, I can see them getting more, considering they still play the Titans two times, and the Titans have been terrible. They might as well go, well continue to be ter- terrible so they can get higher draft choices. But I think so much is contingent on this game. John, they're never going to face an easier stretch of seven games in the Nico Ryan's future than the one that they're about to face right here. I would be, ma- and they need to go four and three to finish ten and seven on the year. I would be massively disappointed, assuming C.J. Stroud is healthy. If anything happens to C.J. Stroud, then all bets are off, and we'll see what happens. Hey, but, Davis Mills has got a perfect rating. He's got a, he have a perfect rating, but he's one for one passing. He's rating for you know, three yards. You want to hear something funny, John? What? He he was one for one for a two or three yards, whatever it was, some screen that got snuffed right around the line of scrimmage. His passer rating on that one pass is like 79.8, you know, based on the complicated formula. His passer rating last season was like 78.5. So, like, if, if Davis Mills just sat there throwing two-yard screen passes all season long, that was a more productive quarterback than what he did in 15 games playing actual quarterback last season. I think the Texans have the best quarterback situation in the league. You have I Mills agree. Who started for two years. You got Case, who started years for multiple teams. I think while they see all these other teams, they got to go with their primary backup and they're in big time trouble or they're signing people like Trevor Simeon off the street at this time of the year. I'm guessing that Bobby Sloyd and Gerard Johnson. Of course, they're hoping his Stroud stays healthy, but if he doesn't, I think they're going to be pretty confident in Mills and Keenum based on some things they've done throughout their careers. 
All right, let's keep it moving. Charles Honeycutt says, in your opinion, who are the top three or four players on the Texans that they need to prioritize in re-signing? John, who are the guys? He, and I, I'm assuming he means imminently, like in the upcoming offseason. Like, I think, John, there's a, I think they're already planning for what it looks like with CJ three years from now. I'm guessing that there, there's other players that they're planning for and things like that. But into, they got a lot of guys who are only on one-year deals or who are going to become free agents like Jonathan Grenard, guys like that. If you had to prioritize, John, give me, uh, give us three. Who would be your three? You're Nick Casario. You're sitting down. You go, okay, we got all these guys that are, gonna, that are in contract years. Who are my three that I would prioritize? I'm going to go guys whose contracts are expiring because you don't have okay. to do the others. Right. Jonathan Goddard's number one. He stayed healthy mm -hmm. for the first time. Uh, interesting how that happens. He and Will Anderson been great against the run, great at setting the edge. That's just a gruesome twosome. I think Dalton Schultz on a one-year deal, Devin Singletary on a one-year deal. You say, oh, well, they got Damian Pierce they could do without Singletary. No, they got Devin Singletary as the starter. So I think Schultz has become such a valuable target down the middle, and I think Singletary to go with John Grenard. I would go Nelson, Stephen Nelson, before I went Devin Singletary. I, you know, you found you found Devin Singletary for one year, two point something million. I just think I, it's the running back position. I think they can find somebody that fits what they want to do. That's no disrespect to Singletary and what he's done the last couple of games. I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too over anxious about having to keep Singletary based on just these two games. You know what I mean? Like it's it was a struggle all year long. I get what you're saying, John, but I, I agree with you on the first two. Grenard, I might flip Grenard and Schultz. I think Schultz has become that crucial in the passing game for this team and what he's done in the intermediate part of the field. I would put Schultz one, probably Grenard two, and I would think I would put Steven Nelson third. And they've got nobody, nobody behind Schultz. They yeah. got bodies, but nobody who has produced where you'd have Pierce with Singletary and Derek Stingley Jr. may always have injury issues, so you're going to need St Stephen Nelson, yeah. who's played great this year after being good last year. He's playing better with the Texans than he played any time in his career. Yeah, absolutely. Though this is the best we've seen out of out of Stephen Nelson. Um, John Charles also asked, "What food are you both planning to have for Thanksgiving? Traditional or something different? What does the Thanksgiving table look like in the McLean household?" It's traditional. My wife, Carol's traditional. She's a great cook. I don't want the soda people to hear this, but I'll just say this is what she cooks for two of us. I'm not saying I'm eating all of it. Right, right. I can eat turkey and vegetables. She cooks turkey, stuffing, uh, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, green bean casserole, uh, pecan pie, pumpkin pie, rolls, and um, has stuffed celery stuffed with cream cheese. Mm, the celery stuff with cream cheese. I dig that. We, we have all that about four days. Yeah, we have all that same stuff at Amy's parents' house, traditional stuff. But then Amy's mom will also just do a big thing of pasta to go with it. Like there's all of a sudden there's just a big vat of pasta because she's Italian. So um, so it's, uh, yeah, man, I can't wait. Thursday, John, we're going John to. John Lopez talked about they have two different kinds of stuffing. And one is oyster stuffing, which I've never heard of. So okay. it's a family tradition. Kind of like crawfish stuffing, but you only use oysters. I can't imagine having either one of those stuffings. But if Lopez is a, he is a cooking uh, savant, and if he thinks it's good, it's good enough for me. Yep. All right. Let's get to uh, Kenneth, a new emailer to the show. Hello, Sean and John. Why do the Texans move players that are active on game day back to the practice squad on Monday? I noticed they use the transaction with the new kicker actually the new kicker they've signed to the regular roster but i guess the the overall question remains john like 
it's it's I, I guess it's probably a normal question. Like fans aren't used to this. This is something that I think came out of COVID that the league was like, hey, you know what? This yeah, is kind so of they increase the practice squads. Yes. Yeah, they increase the practice squad, and you're allowed to bring two guys up every single week from the practice squad that don't count against your 46 on game day. But you got to send them back down, and you can only do that what three times with a player yes. before you have to sign him to the roster, right? Which they've done, which they did it with Amendola. Yeah, they signed Amendola to the roster. Yep, yep. So that's did. why. So all these rules about moving guys up and down, it being limited, but it's all designed to help you increase your roster when you have injuries at this time of the year. Yeah. Um, this one is from Dan T in Miami. He said uh, after beating the Cardinals with. Will Anderson Jr. having a nice game. I'd be interested to know the new calculation of the draft day trade. It'd be interesting to track it as far as draft slot value as we continue to win. I was cool with the trade, even when the trade seemed to be lopsided for the Cardinals on value, but it'll be fun to see if and when the scale tips over to Nick and the Texans by the numbers. John, let's play this out for a second. If the And your answer may be yes, even without worrying about where the Texans' first pick is, but let's face it. If the Texans were indeed the same team this year that they'd been the last couple of years, that would be a huge talking point right now that, hey, Will Anderson's been good, but he's only got three sacks and the Texans pick is third in the draft right now. It's looking an awful lot right now like that Texans pick is going to be somewhere at best in the low 20s, if not in the mid 20s, if they win a playoff game. Um, where are you on the calculus on the Will Anderson trade right now? I don't give a rat's you know what about calculus and charts and all that. You ask Cardinals, would you take Will Anderson, who leads the league in pressures from a rookie, plays the run great, uh, has a lot of hurries, and he has three sacks. J.J. Watt had five and a half uh, when he was a rookie. I think they would say yes. Now I think they did. They give up a two and a three as well. They did. Well, they gave up their two last. The yes, they gave up the two. Their last year's two, the thirty third or thirty fourth pick, whatever that was. And then they, yeah, they might have given up a four, and they got back a four or something like that. The, the yeah. main trade was the Cardinals moved back to twelve, right? They got the Texans second round pick this year, and then their first round or second round pick last year, their first round pick this year. The, I don't know uh, what they used the thirty third pick on. I don't remember. The whole reason that Casario did that is because he has the Browns first round pick and the Browns yep. fourth round pick and a slew of other picks. So I still have yet to see anybody talking about that trade, even today that that point out that he has Cleveland's pick in the first round. It's like the Texans don't have one. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I and to me, there should be more criticism on the Panthers right now than anything else. I mean, the Bears That's are looking at having the top th- two of the top three picks in the draft. The, the Bears are the Bears are what everybody thought the Cardinals were going to be uh, coming into this season in terms of the draft capital, right? Like every mock draft you saw after the twenty twenty, every mock draft you saw for this coming draft, you know, throughout the summer was Cardinals one, Cardinals two. You know, the Texans pick is going to be one of those, and they're going to be picking. That might actually happen with the Chicago Bears. Like they may wind up literally with the top two picks in the draft. I'm guessing that they're not going to let Ryan Pauls and Matt Eberflus be the GM and the coach, even though they flashed. They've won, I think, what three in a row or something close. I don't know if I would entrust a draft so crucial to the history of the franchise to these two guys. Yeah. Um, Along those lines, uh, let's shifting gears over to Carolina for a second. Joe Q, frequent emailer to the podcast, says um, uh, he he goes into a long email explaining how he thinks the Panthers got to where they are. I won't read the entire email on the podcast. 
Um, but he basically is looking, John, for us to assign assign blame as to um, why the Panthers are so much worse than the Texans. And the choices he gives us are Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud, you know, the quarterback you wanted versus the one that, uh, you know, the Texans got, Frank Reich versus D'Amico, Josh McCown versus Gerard Johnson, or the schedule. If you had to pick it's what's the, the biggest. Above. It's the talent. Anybody okay. that watches that team knows they don't have much talent. They gave up their best receiver. Their line's not good. Bryce Young now is seeing rushers when they're not there. They don't Ghosts. have talent, and they're not. In the, I just read a deep dive on the Panthers from Joe Person, one of their longtime yeah. uh, beat guys, and he talked about what all's happened. It's all down to the talent on that offense. It's awful, and they've left themselves in a terrible position to replenish that talent, and Bryce Young is now, like a lot of rookie quarterbacks, he's ducking, but he ain't tucking. Are you buying that Frank Reich is on the hottest seat in the league, like Jake? I would say the hottest seat, but he, based on David Tepper and the moves he's made, not just with the Panthers, but with his, I think, soccer team. Yeah, he's quick on the trigger, and I got to think, coaches. Of course, coaches always want jobs, but man, when you don't have draft picks like they do, and you need so much talent on offense, um, maybe sticks with Frank Reich again if he's smart. He'll let them try to add some offensive players, free agency, whatever. Yeah. And then give him another year. Yeah. They don't, they have very few expensive players on their roster. They are, they are completely devoid of good draft capital right now because of the Bryce Young trade. Not completely, but they're, they're missing their first round pick next year, which is, which sucks. And they traded DJ Moore, who was probably their, other than Brian Burns, probably their best player last year. Um, but they, they, I saw a chart on, I think Mike Sando had a chart or one of the athletic writers had a chart on the I number of $12 million yeah. plus players on each team. Cleveland's got the most. Carolina's got the least. I was really excited to see the Texans have the second least. You know, all those teams, John, that were down there in that part of that chart where they have one, maybe two, there were like five or six teams with two $12 million players. You know, there were, there were, you know, a handful with three. Among the bottom ten or twelve teams, the Texans were the only team that was a playoff team. You know, it was all the bad teams. Um, I think it speaks really well to Nick Casario and who they've drafted. I think it speaks huge to D'Amico Ryan's and his ability to maybe take some what other teams viewed as spare parts and develop them into very very productive football players on both sides of the football, not just D'Amico but the staff as a whole. Um, it's uh, that was really cool to see. Like the t- there's the Texans with very few expensive players. And they're in a big pool with teams that have three wins and two wins and one. They got six wins right now. They're really in a good situation for the offseason. Yep. All right. Um, John, what do you got going on on sportsradio610.com? Um, I have a column uh, about the Jaguars and the and the Texans uh, on the website today. I'll have one tomorrow about the McNairs, Cal, and Janice and Hannah, about how happy they are. And when I was talking to them about possible awards for uh, Nick Casario, D'Amico Ryans, uh, C.J. Stroud, and Hannah said, well, I got one. Comeback owner of the year. <laughs> She's made, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be my lead. I like that. She she made that joke to me one time not too long ago. Um, and that's it feels kind of accurate, John. You know what? And like. Cal's not doing anything different than he was doing before, other than he's got the decisions right to, of who to hire. You know, like he's just, they made bad decisions before as to who to put in power and who to hire. 
And now he's hiring the right people and he can do what he wants to do, which is hire them and get out of the way. And I, and I talked to D'Amico about that. And he said that uh, it looks like he's wanted quite a few things that would require money. And they always provide it. He said, they trust me. Yeah. He said, they support me and Nick and everything we're, we do. And there's not a lot of owners that do that. And because uh, a lot of them want to be involved. I mean, there's want to know what's going on. Yeah. You know, they keep, they let them know what's going on in big decisions. And if like, if Hannah and Cal and Janice, they loved Miko, but if Casario said, I'd rather, I'd rather have this guy mm-hmm. say Sean Payton, they would have like, okay, you're the GM. You've Boy, got it in your you contract. Imagine? Go ahead. Can you, imagine can you imagine D'Amico not being the coach of this team right now? I don't Can't even want to think about that. It's going to be yeah. fun next week when yeah, Peyton could have been here. D'Amico oh, yeah. could have been there. Yeah, good storyline. Then Salah the following week, you know, D'Amico versus his predecessor. And then we got Euler uniforms the week after that in Tennessee. And then uh, no Deshaun Watson against Cleveland, but a, a, a team that the Texans are chasing in the playoff hunt. And then another Titans game, and then the Colts after that. It's a janky schedule, John, with some bad football teams. But there's there's reasons. I mean, obviously there's reasons to watch all these games because the Texans are in the playoff hunt. But there's soap opera reasons to watch them as well. Like there's good storylines with these games too, right? A lot to talk about on talk shows and podcasts. Amen to that, my friend. All right, John, we're going to do this again tomorrow. We're condensing the schedule this week because of the Thanksgiving holiday. So we'll have a preview of the Jaguars and the Texans tomorrow. We'll do a little for real of Fugazi as well on the show tomorrow and get you ready for week 12. Biggest biggest regular season game, biggest regular season game, not the playoff game, John. Biggest regular season game since New England, Sunday Night Football 2019. Is that what we're thinking right now? Biggest regular season game, uh, uh, yes. That one was on national TV and, of yep. course, the biggest in Houston since the – Buffalo wild card game. Yeah, yeah, that was a playoff game for sure. Um, all right, uh, John, I enjoyed it as always. Thank you, Sean. All right, good stuff. We thank everybody for uh, for tuning in. Thank our producer today, Mike, in for James Jackson. So, Mike, we appreciate you getting this podcast out to everybody. Um, and a very happy Thanksgiving to everybody as well. We'll be back with one more of these this week and um, as we get you ready for Texans and Jags on Sunday. So, for Mike and for John, I'm Sean. We are out of time. We will see all of you uh, tomorrow for uh, the – the Jacksonville preview episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.